0: I was telling you, I, I gave my life to Jesus in 1991, and it's at the that what I call about the height of the, what's what I what I've dubbed the worship wars. You know, because when I met Jesus, I came into church for the first time, and I started experiencing this thing that we call worship. But when I got there, people were having discussions and arguments and even battles over. What kind of worship was right? And at the time, it was like, do we use the, the hymnal and the books that have been published and used for the past 50 years, really, if you know your church history? Or do we do these new modern courses? And and there was, I, I just called it the worship wars. Uh, churches split over music style, over song choice. I mean, can you believe that? Like, like that we would argue over something like music and um, uh, uh how many of you lived through and survived the worship wars of the '90s and the 2000s? Okay, some of y'all, some of y'all been there. Um, I mean, I've been in churches where, if you played guitar and wore your hair like Davy, somebody might get shot and multiple folks, you know. Um, uh, i 've seen people get all worked about about the, about song choice, song style, what instruments were right? Should you stand? should you sit? Were you irreverent if you were raising your hands, or were you not spiritual if you weren 't raising your hands um, i 've seen people lying on the ground like a beached whale, just motionless and I was like that 's interesting uh, that 's an it, i mean there 's a lot of postures in the Bible about uh, 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 how to uh, a lot of postures regarding worship, but but if I were to lay on the ground motionless, like in a grocery store, and just decide to worship God that way, people would call the paramedics. I've just I've seen crazy stuff in my life. Um, I, I, the arguments on should the lights be bright? Turn down low. And uh, and I've seen a lot of casualties in the worship wars. A lot of friends have been th- th- just they tried to honor God, and then they got. They got hurt in churches. Um, how many of you survived the worship wars and came out with some scars of your own? A few of you, yeah. Um, now, if you're too young to remember church in the '90s, there was not an actual war, but there were many fights in churches about what was proper, um, and uh, um, and that's why I called those that time the worship wars. Uh, um, uh, how about this? How many of you survived the worship wars and not but you you came out with some scars but you also came out with some opinions. Yeah. God help me manage this. All oh, these opinions. Um a bunch of you we got we got opinions about worship. Let's start let's start here. This month in March we're going to talk about worship. In February we talked about fellowship. And and hopefully, you know, as God kind of uh, builds us back, that as as God brings people in here, they can find authentic fellowship, but also a, a God-centered worship, and that's what we want. Um, when we worship, the primary recipient of worship should be God, all right? Now, in worship, all right, in, in worship, good things happen for the worshiper. I mean... Uh, There is a benefit to you when you worship. Also in worship good things will happen for other people. Right? There is an evangelistic effect that happens in worship. Um, But the primary recipient. The primary um, person that we're we're worshiping for should be God. Even though good things happen for you and good things happen for others. Above those primarily our, our worship ought to be aimed at God. And and I would think I wouldn't have to say this, but um, but again, we just live in crazy times. There, a popular, um, a popular preacher down in Houston, his wife got up one Sunday and and told the thousands in attendance that says, you know, when you worship, when you sing, you don't do that for God, you do that for you. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, that was just that's somebody. There. So I would think I wouldn't have to say that, but but we do have to say that God should be the um, should be our primary audience. He should be the object of worship. Right Now. If he's our primary object. If he's the recipient. Let's think about this in terms like this. See if you can relate. Have you ever received a terrible gift in life? Like maybe Christmas time. Maybe at your birthday. It's like somebody gave you a gift. They wanted to give you something good. But they didn't know you. Alright. So they give you something. and And it's. It's just, it's like, it's like if they knew me, they would know that this is just the opposite of who I am. This, this just, this does not fit me. Um, How'd you feel when you got that gift? What, what'd you do with the gift? Right? Did you, did you, let's say it was like one of those lovely Christmas sweaters and you like, and now you wear it every time they come around and you just, you get reminded that they didn't know you at all. You know, did you re-gift it? You know, I wonder if in the midst of all our different opinions on worship, do we sometimes give to God what we like rather than what he desires? In worship, our primary desire ought to be to honor and adore God. And if God is the object and the recipient of our worship, then it might be a good idea to check and see what he desires in worship. So we're going to spend this month... We're going to spend the month of March looking at what the Bible says about worship. And I encourage you, don't miss any of this. Because if you're really serious about knowing what God says about what he wants in worship, like, there's a lot that he says, all right? And if you just take one Sunday and apply that, um, there's still a whole bunch that you would miss. So we're going to start in the Psalms. The Psalms have a whole lot of things that God tells us about worship. Go to Psalm 95. We're going to start there today. Next week, we're going to do Psalm 96, um, and just let the two of those work together. But let me read this to you. Psalm 95, the Word of God. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In His hand... Are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains are all are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands form the dry land. Oh come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. As on the day of Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test and put me. To the proof, though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. You know, the first thing that we learn from this psalm is there is a call to worship. The first words is, oh, come, come. We are invited. We are summoned. We, we are called to set aside all the hustle and bustle of life to turn our attention to God. Some of you, you've had great weeks full of celebration. Some of you've had tough weeks full of difficulty. But, but all of that, we are called to set that aside and come. To come and take our attention off of ourself, off of our desires. To come and take our attentions off of our ambitions, our goals, all our to-do lists, And to say, all right, now I'm going to focus My mind's attention and my heart's affection on God. Come. 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 Set your mind and your affection on the one who gave you life. The one who knows you better than you know yourself. Come to the one who loves you enough to sacrifice himself to rescue you. Come. Now there's a progression that you see in this worship call. He says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. You ever wondered why we sing at church? I mean, those of you who just love to sing, you're like, yeah, it makes sense. We, we sing because I love to sing. And some of you are like, oh, why do we do this? This is weird. I mean, I met Jesus in 1991, hadn't really been in church, and just come in, everybody singing. I had to ask the question, what's up with that? It was not because somebody once upon a time ago thought, hey, let's bring people together and make them sing songs that they don't know. Singing is instinctual. It's, it's natural. There, there is a reason that we connect with music. And, and don't our favorite songs tend to be love songs? There's a natural connection between singing and expressions of love. So when we come to worship, we sing as an expression of love to God. And oh, how God loves to hear his children sing. I'm one, I really enjoy music. I appreciate it. I want, I, we, you can ask my, my, my wife and my kids, when we're driving in the car and I got the music on, volume tends to get turned up, not because I'm hard of hearing, but because I want to hear every little nuance, every little bell, every little drum beat, every cymbal, every little guitar lick. And I want to, I'm analyzing, you know, what kind of effect the guy's using on the guitar and the bass line. I want to hear it all. And I love and appreciate good music. But as much as I like good music, occasionally from the backseat of the car, I hear my little girl start to sing. She makes up her own words to songs. She, her pitch is not right. Sometimes her words don't even rhyme. And you know what? The father does. He turns down the radio and he leans in because my baby girl is singing. All right? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Taylor Swift. You're a great singer. You have fun songs, but I'm going to turn you down because my baby girl is singing. Michael Bublé, you got some good pipes, boy. But hold on. Something better's going on back here. All right? I I just, I turn them down. Uh, uh, You know, uh, thank you, Third Day, Mac Powell, uh, Mark Hall from Casting Crowns. Love your songs. You're singing about God, but hold on. My little girl's singing about, I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know. I just want to hear her sing. Just know this. The Father loves to hear his children sing. Come, let us sing to the Lord. We're invited to worship with song. Now, singing is just one-third of the call to worship. You know, many people, we equate singing as the totality of worship. Like, we think, like, okay, while we're singing, we're worshiping. But, but, but the biblical scope of worship is much broader than just singing. It, it really has a, a way to do with, like, how you live your life. The reason, um, when, when we equate worship with just singing what we what we tend to do is we tend to become interested not in what the song is about what the theology is we're interested in how the song makes us feel right and so it's really still about us at that point in time it's like i just i'm I'm interested in the in, in how a song makes me feel um um and we're generally interested in how a song makes us feel based on when we first encountered it that's why it's like you know, like if you if you met Jesus when you were at youth camp, whatever year that was, a lot of times the the, the styles and those songs become dear to you. You know, when I watched the worship wars back in the 90s, it's like people got saved at a Billy Graham crusade and they were singing just as I am, and they just assumed, listen, the only way you're gonna get people to respond to the gospel is you have to sing just as I am. That was the only, that's what worked when they got when they met Jesus, and that's how we associate things. We we generally uh, We're interested in how a song makes us feel based on how we first encounter the song. My father, he wants music in church to be soothing. Because that is how he first encountered it in worship. On the flip side, I've had, I worked many years in youth ministry. And I would have students, they would want to sing certain songs because the song just sounded cool. Didn't matter what the song said. Didn't matter if there was even a, a good theology to the song. It's just like this song makes them feel energetic and cool. And um, and that's it's a starting point. You need to know that in regards to singing, you can sing and not worship. Likewise, you can worship and not sing. I had this uh, old farmer at my previous church in his nineties. He never would express himself with the hands up and you know he for him it was very reverent and it would make me so frustrated somebody would come into the church and they would say well you, you, there's just not a good worship at this church because people weren't all you know excited with hands up and i was like that is so judgmental I said because that old farmer over there like he lives it like he worshiped seven days out of the week i mean uh he he did things that it's like 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 he would actually give a home to a homeless person out there in the country. Like, who does that? This guy was the genuine, real deal. And it just offended me so that anybody would say that because he wasn't expressive, he wasn't worshiping. That guy worshiped with his whole life. You can worship and not sing. It says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make... A joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. You see, everyone can sing, but not everyone can make a joyful noise. In order to make a joyful noise, it's got to be personal to you. You have to have a personal reason to to shout, to become expressive. You, uh, uh, you have to a joy that is personal to you. And unless you have a personal reason, you don't have a reason to shout. And by the way, you know, in America, we think that the one shout the one joyful noise is "Woo!" you know there's a lot more than that and if you read the scriptures you'll find hallelujah praise the lord hosanna glory to god i mean and 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 how this works is like sometimes sometimes in the midst of worship there is an expression that's not on the screen the, the people who wrote the song could not, ex, could not anticipate how it personally affected you. And, and it's just at that moment, something has to be said. Something has to be celebrated that is that, that the worship leader can't prompt in you. It's just completely, it's like, this is, this is just me. And, I, and, I, and it's like, I can't believe the grace of God. I can't believe the love of God. I can't believe that God would direct me. And I just have to, I just have to let loose. And it's a Hallelujah like my i've gotten to be at some uh african-american churches that's so much fun they're not restricted you know in in their expressions um you know what restricts us in here it's like usually like the reason i'm not going to make a joyful noise i'm not going to shout is because i'm too concerned about what you think I mean, if I express myself beyond what is already, you know, th- those expressions are 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 uh, approved. But if I shout "Hallelujah," like somebody's going to think, like, "What's wrong with me?" And really, it would be to our good to get over that. It would be to our good to, to get over that. Everyone can sing, but in order to shout, God has to have done something for you. The text says let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. You see, you have to be saved in order to shout. You you have to have this understanding that it's like, oh my goodness, I am a sinner. I have violated God's laws. I have gone my own way. I have rebelled. I am messed up and there is this perfect God and I have no right to come before him. I have every reason for him to judge me and he loves me and he gave himself to save me that'll give you a reason to shout i remember as a youth pastor every year we would bring in new seventh graders and we would do worship all right some of y'all back y'all know this and y'all were those seventh graders and but when you were seniors you were like bob talk to those seventh graders they're not taking worship seriously The reason the 7th graders didn't take worship seriously is because they hadn't had much life experience in order for God to have done something for them. But by the time students were seniors, they had felt God, they had grown with God, and they had a personal reason to shout. And a lot of them along the way had given their life to Jesus and were saved. Listen, if you haven't trusted Jesus to save you and rescue your soul, you need to. We all need that. And it's really simple. God didn't make it hard. And if that's you, we'll give you an opportunity before the day's done. And I'll help you come and meet the rock of our salvation. Verse 2 says, Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. This is the second time in this psalm that the word come is. And this is, this is a second invitation to go deeper. The first come is to come and, and lay aside yourself and come into worship and sing. This one now is to come in further, to crawl up in daddy's lap. This is a, this is a call to be intimate, to, be, to feel connected with God. all of us can sing some of us can shout but few will come this is an intimate encounter with god where you draw close to god where in this crowd of people you are actually alone with god where for a moment the song that is being sung it's not just the it's not just words it's it's your story it's your heart's cry it's your passion, and it is a song of praise from you directly to God. To come, to be in His presence. Now, verse 3. In verse 3, we get told why we should worship God. Why do we worship? It says, For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In His hands are depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are also His, and the sea is His. For he made it, and and his hands formed the dry land. Why do we worship? Why do we sing? Why do we shout? Why do we come? Because he's God. Pretty simple. He is God, and he is worthy of our worship. Did you know God keeps us far enough from the sun that we don't burn up? But he also has placed the earth not too far that we don't freeze. This great God of ours, I mean, he he has designed the earth where there is just enough gravity to keep you from spinning off of this rock out into space, but not too much gravity to keep you from being crushed by it. And it really is a fine-tuned design that he's done. He is a great God, and he is worthy of worship. And if it wasn't enough that he created, he sent his son Jesus. To do for you and I what we could never have done for ourselves. And he died on a cross for yours and my sin. Why do we worship? He deserves it. Verse 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship. And bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Let us bow down. Let us kneel. Now this is more than just a physical position. It's more than just the bending of your, your knees. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't get this uh, very well anymore. Because in our culture we don't, we don't kneel. We don't bow down. I mean we shake hands. Um, that, that's our sign of respect in the ancient culture though. No it was, it was a bow down. It was a, there was a submission to that. Um, when we come before God... Again, we're not kneeling. We don't bow. What we do is we, we, we lower our head, All right? But this is more than just a physical posture. This really has to do with your heart. What is the posture of your heart? To, to kneel, to bow before God in your heart, it requires humility. To, to bow is to sit there to say, God, you are big and I am, I'm small you are bigger than me and, and, and I humbly come before you. It requires a brokenness uh, uh, to, to come before God and say, God, I have no right to be before you. I, I am, I am, I am a, I'm a sinner. I have messed up. I have violated your life. I have no right. to Have mercy on me. Jesus tells the story of a Pharisee who prays and he says, Oh God, thank you that I'm not like these other messed up people. Another person who's a tax collector comes and he beats his chest and he says, Have mercy on me, God, a sinner. And Jesus says it was that second one that walked away from God clean. It requires humility. It requires brokenness. And what happens when you do that? When you bow your heart before God, it leads to liberation. We come in and we fear God. We respect God. But then we hear God say, Come, fear not. Fear not. I love you. Then in verse 7. We see where worship should take us. It says. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. And the sheep of his hand. Today. If you hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. As on the day at Masa in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test and put me to to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and have not known my my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. See, worship is incomplete without obedience. If you leave this place today and you do not obey, and you do not follow in his ways then your worship was empty. Your words were hollow. Every song you sung, every prayer you prayed was a lie. It, worship, if it, does not, if it is not followed with obedience, it is incomplete. You know, in the 90s, I got to watch people argue over hymns or choruses, guitars or pianos. Um, those arguments were never really about God. They were about us. See, what if we looked at what God desires, God desires a heartfelt love that is expressed with more than just song. It is expressed in how you live. And it is displayed in you obeying his commands. And that's why Jesus says in, in John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's, so it's not about like just come before and, and sing it. He loves when we sing but, but don't sing lies to him. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Walk with him. Follow him. Repent. That, that's when worship is right. God says... Of the people who harden their hearts at Meribah and Massah. He says they shall not enter my rest. You see incomplete and empty worship. Will keep you from experiencing the promises of God. So when you come to worship. Do not harden your heart. If you hear his voice today. Do not harden your heart. Freedom. Restoration. Forgiveness. Liberation. They're all here for you today. Don't miss the things of God. Because you are just determined. You are set at doing things your way. We miss a lot because we want to do it our way. You see, none of us are special because we felt something while we were singing. I mean, none of us are really even special because we we came today. What makes you special is when you allow that singing, when you allow the Word of God to impact how you live. See, the power of God is not in what you know. The power of God is what you do with it. You take the things that you've, you've heard and you've sung and you let those things change how you live. Worship its always incomplete if it's not followed by obedience. So we're going to uh, journey together this month. And just see a lot of things that God says about worship. We're not going to offer to Him what we like the best. We're going to give to Him what He desires. And what He desires, you hear nothing else today, is a life that is um, committed and devoted to Him. You make mistakes, He forgives. You wander, He restores. What a great day to say, God, I'm back. God, use me. God, thank you. God, I'm sorry. God, you have my life. And where you lead, I will go. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as the rock of your salvation, I want to help you know that. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us have failed at this thing called life. All of us mess up. There is not one who's even close to perfect, and there is a perfect God who made this whole thing for us. You need to know Jesus as the rock of your salvation. And I tell you, there is a God who loves you so much. He's gone to great lengths that you can have a way to be restored to him. And he sent his son, Jesus, who gave his life on a cross, on Calvary, with nine-inch nails in his hands and feet and crown of thorns on his head, hanging and suffocating on that cross. And the Bible says, by his blood, by his wounds, we are healed. There is forgiveness for you today. He is the rock of our salvation. You don't have to be good enough to get it, you just got to be willing to receive it. Did you receive it today? Look at this. With every eye bowed, every eye closed, and every head bowed. I intend to be here for you. And if you're one. And you do not know Jesus as the rock of your salvation. I want you to. Look at me and make eye contact with me. Where you and I can make a personal connection. And that will be a sign to me that, that later on. Let's have a conversation. And let's talk about what the Bible says. About how. A sinful soul can be forgiven. If that's you, would you just make eye contact with me? Nobody else is looking around. I'm looking. I just want to know. If that's if that's you, I, I want to be here for you. I want to help you know what God's word says. let me take this one more step. Are you looking at me, young lady? Okay. Watching for eyes. Now, if you would say, Pastor Bob, God's talking to me today about my character, about how I live, about something in my life that I need to do and obey. And I want you to, the same sort of thing, This week, I'm just going to spend my week praying for you. Praying for you to follow through, for you to have strength, to walk in what you already know. But if God's talking to you today about something specific in your character, something that you need to obey, and you would like me to pray for you this week, would you also just look up and and make eye contact with me so that I would know and I'll, I'll pray for you. If that's you, if you just look up right now. I see you. I see you. Thank you. I'll be praying for you this week. Anyone else? It's Not that my prayers are more special than others, but I promise you I'm going to be praying for you this week. Anyone else? God's talking to you about your character, about how you live. Are you looking at me? Thank you. I see you. I see you. Anyone else? Father God, I thank you for this moment. And I thank you for the people that have come today to worship you. Father, I'm so excited to to spend time in your word, learning how to do this thing called worship, but to do it the way you like it done. And Father, it's really a lot more about our hearts than it is about our instruments and our, our expressions but you got something to say about that. And so just teach us. And Father, may this be a place that honors you in how we love each other and how we love you. And Father, when we do sing, may it be as sweet to you as it, when I get to hear the children that you've given me sing. Oh, Father, you've been so good to us, better than we deserve. It is a joy to tell you we love you back. Father, pray for these today who are just wanting to go deeper and walk in your ways. Give them power and strength to do so this week. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.